Hello and welcome to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you very much indeed for tuning into this episode. Um, for those who, who haven't seen it yet, um, we've been very, very lucky on the show over the last month or so to capture some fantastic interviews with some stars uh, of the motorsport world. I made um, I made the oh, trip of a lifetime over to the Rolex 24 uh, at Daytona a couple of weeks ago and was able to speak to a number of the key players in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, including... Wayne Taylor and his two sons, Ricky uh, and Jordan, um, who have had a lot of success at the Rolex 24 and many races uh, in global sports car racing. And I had about 15 or 20 minutes with the guys. Um, they, were very, they were very generous to give me their time uh, and have a chat. And we had a chat with all of them uh, about their, their careers, past, present, and uh, what's next in the future as well. So you can check that out uh, via your podcast provider. If you subscribe to the show, um, you can do it and your device will give you a little notification whenever there's any new episodes and you can go back through our entire uh, episode archive as well. So that's quite cool. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about one of my favourite racetracks in the world, um, perhaps even my most favourite racetrack in the world. Bathurst. Now, Bathurst has one particularly famous race in the middle of October, the Bathurst 1000, which is the biggest race in the in motorsport in the whole of the Southern Hemisphere. Um, uh, the key round of um, the Australian V8 Supercar Championship, um, a thousand kilometre race across the Bathurst Mount Panorama circuit. However, uh, one event that is growing very, very quickly year on year uh, is the Bathurst 12-hour event uh, that takes place uh, usually the week after Daytona. So many of the drivers, having completed the gruelling 24 hours of Daytona, they get taken off to the airport and fly all the way down to Sydney to make the trip to Bathurst for the 12-hour. Now, the Bathurst 12-hour is quite different in a number of ways to the Bathurst 1000 that they have uh, in October. The big difference is the is the cars uh, on uh, on show. The the cars entered into the Bathurst twelve hour endurance event are GT three specification cars. So um, you know in the Bathurst one thousand, it's very much a straight fight between the Ford Mustang and the Holden Commodore, big V eight muscle cars. In GT three, you have a huge variety uh, of uh, machinery that can take part and. Um, I run through the list of the configurations of car entered into this year's race. So we had a Mercedes AMG GT um, with a front engine big V8 in the, uh, in the front of the car and rear wheel drive, as all the cars are. Uh, we had the Nissan GTR with a big twin turbocharged V6 mounted in the front. We had the Bentley, um, the Bentley's um, uh, Continental GT uh, with a huge big V8, uh, twin turbo V8 in the front. We had the, the new Aston Martin. Uh, we had uh, the new Aston Martin Vantage. We have the big V10 mid-engined Audis and Lamborghinis. We have the mid-engined Honda NSX um, with a twin turbo V6. And not last but not least, we have the BMW M6 GT3 
with the big engine up in the front. So a variety of different um, types of cars, different sizes, different weights, different, different everything. But what you'll notice when you watch GT3 sports car racing is that the field is incredibly even. Uh, and the reason for that is, is that the organizers of the Bathurst 12 hour, um, a company called SRO, um, it stands for Stefan Rattel Organization, who organized a large proportion of the world's sports car racing competition. And um, Stefan Rattel's organization were the creators of the original GT3 formula, which is now so successful across the globe. And what they, they, what they do to ensure the parity in performance is something called balance of performance. Now, as we talk about balance of performance quite a lot on this podcast, and funnily enough, we talk about it in pretty much every series that, it's, that it is implemented. Um, it's often referred to in the sports car racing paddock as a necessary evil, because if you, if you think of the road cars that all the cars that I just mentioned a moment ago, if you think of the road cars that all these cars are based upon, um, they, uh, <laughs> they, they are all very, very different and have varying abilities uh, and varying levels of performance. There's just remember that there's two, I've forgotten, two very important ones. The Porsche 911, a rear-engine flat-six normally aspirated car, and the brand new McLaren 720S GT3. So you have even more categories of cars involved. But in order to ensure that a McLaren 720S, which in road trim form would absolutely destroy a BMW M6, for example, or a Bentley Continental, which won the race in, in the end. And that, so that's what the organizers do. If there's certain cars that need a little bit of a help, they'll take weight away, uh, or, or, or they'll change their fuel restrictor size, or if there's a car that's too fast, they'll, they'll add weight and, and, and change the fuel restrictor size as well. And it works very, very well. Unfortunately, it's open to manipulation by cars going deliberately slowly, hoping for a break in their balance of performance before a race. So there is a little bit of, of that involved and it, it's entirely impossible to, to get it absolutely spot on. And of course, you almost must remember is, is that the quality of the drivers within each car are going to vary. Uh, that's just, otherwise motorsport would be very, very boring if there wasn't varieties in the quality uh, of of driver and the styles of driving as well. And of course, there may be some drivers that might be able to extract more speed from say, a mid-engine V10 Lamborghini than they can from a front-engine BMW, for example. So, but that's what makes the, the sport so exciting to watch for, uh, on the TV, but also trackside as well, because, because these cars all made by different manufacturers from all over the world. And each manufacturer has their own ethos of how they produce uh, a performance car. So all of these cars that you'll see racing in races like the Bathurst 12 hour uh, and its sister events, the Kyalami 9 hours and the Spa 24 hours, um, you know, these are cars that you can go out and buy. You know, you could, you could walk out to your local showroom and buy a Mercedes AMG GT. You could buy a Nissan GTR. You could buy a Bentley Continental, a Porsche 911, and so on. Uh, and that is the, the cool thing about 
you know, you could sit trackside at Bathurst or one of these races and shut your eyes and you would be able to tell the cars apart. The screaming high-pitched wail from the Porsche 911 GT3. Then you have the thundering rumble uh, of the big Bentley. And then you have the the loud shriek uh, of um, the Lamborghinis and the Audis, which share a very similar normally aspirated V10 engine. So... That was that's certainly what makes it a, a, an interesting spectacle before you even get involved in how close the racing is. So what makes Bathurst particularly unique? Well, there are a lot of things that makes Bathurst particularly unique. It's actually uh, not a permanent race circuit and there's very few events permitted to take part on the Mount Panorama mountain circuit. And the, the, the sheer change in elevation over the lap is quite extraordinary. The pits and, and starts finish straight are based right down at the bottom of the hill and the drivers turn left around the first corner and head a big, big drag up the hill, up over the mountain and back down what's called the Conrod Strait, which is one of the fastest um, the fastest sections in, in global motorsport as they come around a, a flat-out right-hander into a, a, a chicane called the Chase, um, which is just an extraordinary thing um, to, to witness. So... Bathurst is a lot of the drivers refer to it as a street circuit and over the top of the mountain it requires such precision to just thread these quite they're quite large cars GT3 cars to thread these big cars in between these narrow and um, these narrow gaps and of course what you'll also see in Bathurst there are not too many entries within this class they do allow a few entries in the GT4 class which of course are much more standard um, road car based uh, vehicles with a lot with a lot less experienced drivers in them and less pace in the car as well so that creates another problem for the much faster gt3 cars filled with professional drivers making their way uh, through over the top of the mountain it is if you ever uh, what if you're a fan of uh, watching onboard videos on youtube um uh, if you're not why not <laughs> and if you're not go on to uh, youtube and look at some bathurst um onboard um videos because they are just it is you really see the talent of a professional racing driver driving through the top mountain section. Um, Scott McLaughlin, um, the current uh, double um, V8 supercar champion and the current reigning Bathurst 1000 winner, have a search for his, uh, I think it was his 2017 uh, Bathurst qualifying lap. It's just the most extraordinary thing uh, to watch. Now, the Bathurst 12 hour uh, has an interesting approach. It actually starts in the dark. It starts very early in the morning at 5.45 a.m. and then runs through to 5.45 p.m. Uh, later on in the day. So starting in the dark, completely different to any other race uh, on the calendar. Um, and the, the cars obviously start as pitch black, starting with a big, it's just a big you know, swarm of cars with all their lights on. And then, of course, as, as the, the race progresses into the first hour, hour and a half, the beautiful Australian sunshine starts to rise um, over the circuit. And some of the photographs, often the finest photographs taken in any racing season, are usually within the first two hours of the 12 hours of Bathurst. Uh, it is just an extraordinary thing uh, to, to, to see. Now... What what did we see at this year's Bathurst 12 hour? Well, one thing we did see was a lot of attrition. 11 cars were not classified at the end of the race. There was a lot of 
a lot of accidents um some really quite heavy accidents there are no there are no slow crashes at, at, at bathurst and the level of runoff is 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 very small in a lot of the parts of the circuit there is no room for error and if you make a mistake that it's going to be a huge accident and we saw in a number of cases across the weekend just how safe modern racing cars are and the equipment that the drivers wear how safe it keeps them in such high speed uh, such high speed impacts and i think as the performance of the cars continues to grow as it always will motorsports the speed of development will always carry on you that, that so does the safety uh, in line with that and the drivers are kept as safe as they can be considering the the challenge that they're that they're taking on um, so we saw a lot of a lot of cars drop dropping out. We saw Audi have an absolute disaster with a lot of their cars crashing, having punctures, having mechanical failures. Um, really, really bad race for for the Valvoline Audi, who came with three, um, basically three factory cars to come and win the Bathurst Twelve Hour, and they were they were humiliated by their uh, by their opponents. But. Who did we see win the race? Well, we saw the Bentley boys win their first ever Bathurst 12-hour. Now, the Bentley is probably one of the most least likely racing cars uh, in global sports car racing. If you've ever seen uh, a Bentley Continental a road car, they are vast things. Two-door coupe, very big engine up in the front, a very heavy road car, probably be well over well, I would imagine it'd be nearer two and a half tons um, for a, a Bentley road car. So to make a GT3 racing car out of that, out of off that platform, uh, is quite extraordinary. And the the pace that they can get out of these racing cars, uh, considering the, what they are, the car is based upon, is quite extraordinary. Now the Bentley sports car racing effort has been on the on the scene for a couple of years now, uh, and it is actually the rally team M Sport, Malcolm Wilson's out fit in Cumbria that actually run the Bentley uh, factory GT team and it was the the head of racing at Bentley approached Malcolm Wilson saying that he would like to take Bentley back into racing and he would like M Sport to be the partner to do that and Malcolm Wilson said oh yes we'd be delighted to try that but you do know that we're, we, we don't that we don't have the experience of uh, circuit racing we are a rally team that's what we do but M Sport have taken to it really, really well with um, Malcolm's son Matthew running that uh, running that side of of the business. But this is a big race that they've tried and come so close to winning on so many occasions. So to finally get through and win the race was really, really special for uh, for that team. And the number seven car of Jules Gounon, Jordan Pepper, and Maxime Sully, they were in another world. Um, and I think it was just just their day basically a lot of people could say oh it's balance of performance it's this that and the next thing they still didn't have the the you know the the ultimate fastest lap funnily enough but their consistency of pace was just metronomic um they were always kept honest by um the number 60 mclaren 720s and um the amgs particularly the amgs mercedes were the ones that caused bentley the biggest problem throughout the race but um, Bentley, just you could just you got that feeling that if the if the rain stayed away, 
throughout the race, Bentley were going to have the pace to to win, and and they did do, and they deserved it. Um, they they thoroughly thoroughly um, deserved it. Now I just mentioned the weather. Let's talk about the weather because it was a very very unusual race in terms of weather. We were promised rain. We thought rain was coming, and we waited and we waited, and the warnings came and went, uh, and there was of significant storms all around Mount Panorama, all around Bathurst uh, and its race circuit, in, within very, very close vicinity to the racetrack. But during the race, they managed to avoid that threat of rain. Um, however, throughout the race, the wind was absolutely extraordinary. Up on the top of the mountain, you saw all of the fans with their tents and gazebos that were virtually having to hang on, physically hang on to, to stop them blowing um, blowing away off down the mountain or perhaps even worse onto the circuit the the side winds must have been extraordinary and when you're coming over the top of the mountain uh, in a GT3 racing car at full absolute full maximum attack and you get a big gust of wind that cannot be very pleasant uh, I can imagine so the challenge for the drivers was extraordinary also the 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 dust the dust as well that was being blown across the circuit really added a what is already a significant challenge the Bathurst 12 hour but to to do that it was just extraordinary um which also as as you always see at Bathurst you see a lot of it. You see very, very high temperatures as well, which was wreaking havoc with um, with some of the cars. And I'm sure that's where a lot of the, the uh, mechanical failures that we saw in the race uh, came from. Now, the rest of the podium um, in second place uh, was the number 60 McLaren, 59 racing McLaren of Alvaro Parente, Ben Barnacote and Tom Blomquist. Now, I have to say the new McLaren 720S GT3 is one of the most beautiful race cars uh, in uh, in the world. Um, it's got the big fantastic lift up, um, almost like gull wing doors that open up like a bat's wing. Um, it looks it looks about three inches off the floor um, at, at the roof. <laughs> it's it's an extraordinary extraordinary looking piece of kit. The 720S road car is a pretty thing of course um, but the race car is something else and the, the 59 racing team had the car painted in a lovely blue with orange and white stripes harking back to the old Gulf liveried um, McLaren F1 GTRs of the 1990s and that is a very very good thing uh, indeed. The McLaren could have easily won the race, actually. Unfortunately, um, was given a stop-go penalty uh, earlier in the race, which did hamper uh, their chances. We saw um, with uh, the, in the first stint, Ben Barnacote at the wheel, while the race was still relatively under darkness, pulling off the most extraordinary overtaking manoeuvre into the chase, which is the fastest part of the circuit, where the cars are braking more or less from their maximum speed down to, to th second or third gear uh, and nearly, nearly, nearly colliding with the car uh, in front but managed to to, to avoid that. So it, I really hope we'll see the McLaren 720S uh, in some more GT3 racing across the, across the world. Of course, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in America adopts the same rules. They call it GT Daytona in America, but in essence, it's a GT3 car. We did see a GT3 car, um, a 720S McLaren GT3 entering a few races in IMSA last year with the Compass Racing outfit. Hopefully, we'll see them back at some point this year because 
McLaren have such a great racing heritage, and I think the 720s is their is their best looking um, their best looking racing car since the F1 GTR, uh, in in my opinion. Completing the podium uh, was the the Triple Eight Racing number Triple Eight uh, AMG Mercedes of Maxi Goats. Shane Van Gisbergen and Jamie Wincup. And of course, if you're not familiar with Shane Van Gisbergen and Jamie Wincup, those two drivers race for the class-leading Triple Eight racing team, the Triple Eight Holden racing team uh, in the V8 Supercar Championships and are renowned as, well, the team is renowned as one of the best in the history of the sport. And Jamie Wincup uh, is certainly one of the, statistically one of the very best in the sport, and Shane Van Gisbergen also. So the quality of driver lineup in there was just extraordinary. Now, Jamie Wincup does a couple of one-off outings in GT racing cars throughout the year, particularly here uh, at Bathurst in the 12-hour. But Shane Van Gisbergen is known for just wanting to get in and drive absolutely anything. He's very successful in the V8 Supercar Championship with lots of wins in a championship as well. But he loves getting into GT racing cars and his big aspirations have made it very public that he wishes to take on the Le Mans 24 hours. And let's keep our fingers crossed that he will get the chance to do that very soon. Unfortunately for, for Porsche, they, despite having a star-studded lineup of cars and drivers, they didn't manage to get their car on the podium after winning the race uh, in the closing stages dramatically last year. If you haven't seen the move to win the Bathurst 12-hour last year in 2019, again, your YouTube homework, go and watch. Just type in Matt Campbell Bathurst 12-hour and, and, and just watch and, 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 and marvel uh, at the skill and the bravery of where he pulled that overtaking manoeuvre off. So Matt Campbell was in the, the leading Porsche in the race, uh, which came in in fourth position, uh, the 911 Absolute Racing Porsche uh, of Matt Campbell, Matteo Jamini and Patrick Peely, all three full-time Porsche factory drivers. So Porsche were leaving nothing to chance with their driver lineup, but just didn't quite had they had they had an advantage in their fuel economy. They were able to stretch the fuel out of their 911 GT3 a little bit longer than their competition, but just lacking that ever so slight amount of of outright pace. The number one car, the Earl Bamber Motorsport car, uh, with Earl Bamber, Lawrence Vantor and Craig Lowndes on board, um, unfortunately had brake issues um, in the early stages of the race and had to make a, a, a disc and pad change in the race, which dropped them out of contention and put them back a lap or two. Um, now, of course, uh, Earl Bamber and Lawrence Vantour, the reigning IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, champions at the moment, and Craig Lowndes, who's just simply... The, a legend of Australian motorsport. So again, I hope this gives an impression to just how high the quality of cars, the how high the quality of teams, and particularly the quality of drivers that go to the Bathurst 12-hour. Now, although the Bathurst 12-hour is now is now finished, you can go on to um, uh, the, if you subscribe to GT World on YouTube, which is the basically the live stream channel for all of the SRO sports car racing events and you can go back and watch races uh, uh, as well. So if you want to have a look at what the Bathurst 12 hour is all about, you can do. Also, all of the live coverage of these big iconic races like the Spa 24 hours uh, and the uh, Kailami 9 hours and the Suzuka 10 hours as well, they will be uh, coming up there uh, as well. So you can so if this sort of racing sounds like your thing, you can watch it for free 
on YouTube. And I have to say, I've talked about it before with IMSA. They offer a lot of their races up for free uh, on their uh, on their YouTube site a couple of days after the, the race takes place. And you can stream it live for free on their website. I think that's a very, very important way to grow the, the, overall, um, the overall fan base. And you just had to look on social media when the Bathurst 12-hour race was going on. The sheer amount of noise and traffic and interest on social media was extraordinary. And of course, where would these people be watching? For free on the internet so check it out uh it's uh, if you've never seen bathurst before and you're you're a race fan oh you're in you're you're in for a treat final mention before i sign off and something of a little bit of a, a sneak preview into what we're going to do a little bit in the future uh with um uh, our podcast here I was looking through my social media um, a couple of days ago, um, you know, just taking in the local, uh, taking in the the relevant gossip in motorsport at the given time. And I saw this this article uh, on, I think it was on racer.com or either racer.com or sportscar365, I can't remember. And uh, it said, (laughs) and I just couldn't quite believe what I was reading because it said, the, the caption was, Verstappen um, late race cla- crash loses him 12 hours of Bathurst win. And of course, we're not talking about the actual 12 hours of Bathurst, but talking about the equally uh, highly competitive iRacing um, uh, 12 hours of Bathurst. So the very popular simulator iRacing, which you can subscribe to on, on the internet and compete with drivers all over the world. Um, iRacing hold, they held uh, a couple of weeks ago, held... Uh, a 24 hours of Daytona I race um, over the internet and also have done so um, with um, with Bathurst as well and you, you're talking about a genuine you know current Formula One driver not just a current Formula One driver one of the finest Formula One drivers in the championship right now who is entering these races uh, as a a way of having fun or a way of developing his skills or whatever but the key thing is he is there and I think the I I'm going to do a proper full podcast on i racing and sim simulator racing in general and how it has opened up a whole new category uh, of motorsport. So if you're sitting watching the twelve hours of Bathurst on your on your TV or the twenty four hours of Spa or whatever, and you're watching it on your TV, going, I would love to do that, but I'll ne- I would never have the money, or I'm or I'm too old now, or whatever. Well. Now we live in a world where, for not that really that much money, you can create a homemade setup at home. Um, you know, Max Verstappen will be doing it from his home in in Monaco. You can have a proper setup at home and compete with genuine real world racing drivers and equally competitive virtual racing drivers uh, uh, as well. Um, for a fraction of the cost of even a set of tyres and an entry fee to a local club race. So uh, I want to delve into that more. That's for another time. But I wanted to mention that. I just thought that was really cool. A week after the full, the, the real, real world event, um, they had the virtual racing event with guys like Max Verstappen uh, involved. So thank you very much um, for tuning into this episode. I really uh, appreciate it. Um, we're getting ever closer to the start of the motor race or to the the full on start of the motor racing season. It's not going to be long till World Superbikes will be back uh, at uh, Phillip Island. We're not all that far away from from MotoGP getting started as well. So I'm getting so so excited about having more racing around um, to talk to you guys about as well. 
As I say, uh, don't forget to, if you haven't already, um, subscribe to our show. That helps a whole bunch um, to get others uh, involved with the show. And if you wish, you can leave a review uh, on Apple Podcasts uh, as as well so that others can, can, can find the program. I'd be very grateful if you could do that for me. You can also follow us on Facebook, which is the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at Mackay podcast um no that's the twitter sorry the instagram is at peter mckay motorsport it's getting confused with all these social media things so you can you can check us out on all of there and you can also go on our website peter motorsport.com where um i'm going to start for each episode producing a little article a little bit of explanation for each episode uh, and a little little bit of background which we can't include uh, in the in the podcast so you can check that out on there as well so thank you very much for listening and i'm really looking forward to speaking to you again very soon <laughs>